Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. 2 Timothy is where we are today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've been doing a series. We're going to continue through. It's called Families of Faith. We've just gone through. Uh, the foundation of, of faith is, is found in, in a family. And we've talked about dating relationships, we've talked about dads, we've talked about different things, and I'd like to talk to you about a special person in a family, and it's a, I call it the guardian of grace, and that is grandmothers. The Bible is full of women who were not just mothers, but were also grandmothers. And, it, and I like the fact that God gives their names, and they're not just a somebody, as Lindsay talked about in Sunday school today, they're an actual person. God reminded us that this role of a grandmother is not just to spoil their grandkids. Amen? It's a, it's a spiritual role, and they're the guardians of grace. And, and so if I can take you to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3, and we'll talk about one particular grandmother in particular. Bibles, the Bible says, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the faith, the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that same faith is also in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for those that you've given us. People that are, people that are mentors and faith builders in our lives, and some of them we call grandma. And today, for just a moment, can we highlight that role and, and thank you for the ones that you've brought into our past, who've built our faith. And not just that, but there's some that aren't there yet, but they're going to be there. And, and I pray that you'll get them ready, prepare them, God, to lead their families, their, grandfa- their grandchildren to the things of God. Because we know lots of babies, lots of boys and girls and men and women will be in heaven because of grandma. So we love you for that and ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now, this story here. Is, is Paul writing it, writing to one of his sons in the faith called Timothy. Paul won Timothy to the Lord uh, in Lystra, which was Timothy's hometown. He called him a son in the faith. And then not only that, but he began to travel with, with Paul in all the, the different uh, missionary journeys that Paul went on. Um, it's believed that Timothy was a young person. When he began, he met Paul. He was actually in his 30s when he met Paul. When this book was written, 2 Timothy, he was actually in his 50s. So he was a young man. I'm in my 50s, so I get to say he was a young man. And he had a sincere faith in God. One thing you read is here is about such a love that Paul has for this son in the faith. And is because he had such a sincere faith. And if we start in verse number three where we began, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. Now here's what Paul's saying right here. The idea is that he's saying that when he was, even back when he was persecuting Christians, you remember the story when Paul was actually called Saul? And he was doing what he thought God wanted him to do. He thought he was doing something that was pleasing to God. He thought Christianity at the time, when he was a, a Jew of the Jews, when he was a, a leader of the Jewish community, he thought the Christian, fa- Christian faith was a cult, and it was his job given to him by God to go and cause those people, drag them out of their homes, put them in prison, and some he would even be put, have put to death. But he thought, as he says here, he thought that hey, he had a pure conscience. He thought he was doing that as God, it was something that God wanted him to do. 
It's the same thing that we see here in, in John chapter 18. When Jesus says, is speaking to Pilate, and he says this, he says, You say that I'm a king, for I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? See, the thing is, in the day in which we live, everybody says what they, everybody, what they have to say they believe is the truth. This bunch over here says this is the truth. This bunch says this is the truth. This bunch has their fact checkers. This bunch has their fact checkers. And it tried, the idea is, well, who's right? Seems like we don't know who's right today. Anybody feel that way today? I don't know what to believe because just as soon as I think this guy's right, the other one's right as well. Politics would probably be one of the world's worst places to see this today. But the good news that Jesus gave us, for me and you as Christians, is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're on the right side of truth. If what you believe lines up with what Jesus Christ says, you are on the right side of truth. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter what the category is. The thing is, is when you line up what you believe with Jesus Christ, you're always on the side of right. So what we see here is Paul's telling us, he said, look, back then when I wasn't living for Christ, but I thought I was doing God's purpose and God's plan. I thought I was in the truth, but what he realized that he was actually in the wrong. And once he came to Jesus Christ, he got on the right side of truth. Anybody glad you're on the right side today? I mean, anybody glad that you don't have to go and guess and figure out and get a college degree to know what right is, that when you accepted Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you came and in, introduced into the truth of God, the truth in this world. Now, as we go on, he says this, and without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. So Paul prayed for Timothy twice every day. Timothy had so impacted Paul that Paul, every time he went to pray, twice a day, he went to pray and Timothy's name came across his lips. Let me ask you a question. What people do you pray for all the time? Who are the people that are always on your lips? Who are the people that sometimes you feel guilty before because it seems like you're always gravitating towards that particular person? Listen, don't feel guilty about that. Just keep praying for that person. See, you may be the only person that prays for them because the thing is, is you may be the only person that's constantly reminding God to touch that person and move upon their heart. Don't stop praying for those people. You may be the only person that's praying for that prodigal or praying for that child or praying for that wayward friend or praying for somebody who's desperately in need for God. So don't stop praying for them. Why do you pray for them? Because they probably need it the most. And God's assigned you and given you the gift of calling their name up before his throne over and over and over again. My own mother told me one time, she said, you know, I just feel guilty sometimes. She goes, I never pray for you and Leanne. My own mother. And she said, but please don't take it wrong. She said, I feel like you have lots of people praying for you. And we, we do. We have, you know, we have, of course, you guys pray for us. And we have friends that pray for us and, 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 and just family members that pray for us on the other side. But, you know, but she said this. And she said, but, you know, there's, there's some of us in our family that don't know the Lord. There's some other in our family that, that are away from God. There's some others in our family that don't have anybody that I know of that pray for him. She said, when I go before God, I feel like that's just the names that I call out before God. So listen, don't feel guilty because you might be the only person that's praying for that one that's desperately in need. But let me just promise you this, and let me just ask you to do this. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. One of the first things when I came to Christ God began to really develop in me just a, a desire to pray and just pray for different things and a host of things. 
And then when I began to teach Sunday school, I just had that same desire all of a sudden now to pray for, for people in, in my Sunday school class. And then when I began to pastor, I just had this desire to, to pray, for, pray for you and for your families. And then this, this next desire is one that's probably one that's burdened my heart right now probably more than, than, than all the other three, and that is to compel and to get you to pray for people. I feel more than ever that the church has to be a praying church. I feel more than ever that we have to be a people that that know how to intercede and stay in the presence of God until God answers. See, it's a lost art in our our churches today for people to to stand still and and stay and pray for 30 minutes or pray for an hour. I've tasked our, our, our church staff every week. Every couple prays two to four hours just for you. And I've asked them to do that because I know that that's the one thing that works and I've heard people say, I'll, you look them in the face and you say, hey, will you pray an hour? And this look of horror comes over their face. How do you do that? You just, I don't know how to do it. I just, just know that you just kind of got to go and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you and burden you and pray for that length of time. But it's not just the time that matters. It's staying there until God's done with us. And so I want to encourage you, of all the things we do as a church, can we be a praying church? Paul prayed for Timothy. And then he says this. Now, here's the, here's the interesting part. He says, in verse 4, he says, I greatly desire to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Read it again. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul wrote this from prison. Book of 2 Timothy, he wrote it from prison. And so probably the last time he actually saw Timothy was in the courtroom when he was sentenced to prison. And I'm sure what happened is it says here is it says the last thing, the picture he has of Timothy is as they're leading Paul out of the courtroom to go to prison, Timothy's in the, in the gallery with the tear coming down his face with such a love because his spiritual father has just put, been put in prison. And he says this, and, and there's something that's, that's really deep in the heart of, of, of Paul that he loves Timothy so much because he remembers that vision, that picture of, of, of Timothy praying or Timothy crying while Paul's leaving the courtroom or going to, going to prison. And he says this, he says, I want to see you again, that I can be filled with joy. See, we talked about this today. Something that brings a joy like nothing else is seeing the face of another believer. Some people don't understand this, but the thing is, is there's something wonderful that you can't get anywhere else but just by looking at the face of another believer. Especially a believer that you've been in in fellowship with for a while. Something about that that just is so special. And when we see that, Paul said, look, if I could just see your face one more time, I'd be so happy. See, when we, went, when we had COVID, we realized something, that we really do need each other. We realized something that it's not just enough to call you on the phone. It's not just enough to see you through a screen. I want to see your face. I want to shake your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to hold you. I want to hug you. I want to be there with you because it's something, there's a joy you get by being with other believers that you don't find anywhere else. Why do people in China go to underground churches and fellowship at at the expense of possibly being caught by the government? Why do they gather together? Because just like Paul said, I so long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Why do people around the world, why do missionaries go around the world to India to get other bodies of believers to gather together and to build bodies of believers because they know the power of when God's people get together? Listen, as long as, there is, as, long as this world spins, there will be people getting together, praying and worshiping Jesus 
because there's a power in it that you don't find anywhere else in the kingdom of God. So we see here, he does that. He said, he says, I long to see you. And some of you are going, you know what? You hadn't mentioned your grandmother one time. I'm there right now, okay? He said, now I noticed something. When I'm praying for you and I'm thinking about seeing you again, I think of something. I think about the great faith on the inside of you. But you know what? When I think about that great faith on the inside of you, I think about your grandmother. And I remember seeing your grandmother because she had that same kind of faith in her. And when I think about that great faith in your grandmother that you have also think about your mother. And I remember the great faith that was in her. And then when I see, think about your mother, then I think about you. But it all started with Grandma. We got to talking Wednesday night about who your spiritual leader mentors were. And I asked how many people had somebody who was a family member who was a spiritual mentor, somebody that they can really say, the reason I'm where I am today is because of that person. About three-quarters of the room raised their hands. And many, after, many of them talked about a grandmother who was, who, was a, who was a beacon, a grandmother who was a, a light, a grandmother who was that, that strong tower of faith. The great faith in their grandmother was passed down. Listen, grandmothers, you are something special. You are, not just because, you know, you get to take your grandkids and, and, and spoil them and then send them home and not have to worry about whipping them and not have to worry about doing any of that stuff. You just get to enjoy them. But there's a legacy of faith that you pass down. And, and the Bible tells us that it was great faith that was passed down. It wasn't just that she was a church attender. It wasn't just that she had her name on a membership role. She was a true believer and a true faith-filled uh, lover of Jesus Christ. See, because what we do know is that Lois was from Lystra. And she was converted when Paul went to his trip to Lystra. Now think about this, grandkids. When Lois was one of those, when Paul went to Lystra, what happened is he went in and he began to preach so great that the, the people there began to sacrifice. They thought, they thought he was a god. So they began to sacrifice animals to him because they thought he, he was a god. Him and Barnabas were gods. And then what happened is people from the last, at the same time, people from the last city came and they began to stir the people up. So they went from sacrificing him to because he was a god to taking him out in the outside of town and throwing rocks at him and killing him. Talk about a bad day. So here's the here's the idea. Lois, and then the Bible says that that he they, he was he was stoned and they left him for dead and the believers came and got around him and then they prayed over him. He got back up and went back into the city. Now, is it possible that Lois was one of those believers that circled around Paul and watched him get back up and go back into the city? If that's the case, she had a story to tell. She'd say, look, I saw it with my own eyes. He was laying there, and he wasn't even breathing. And I saw us grab around him and grab hands and begin to pray and ask God to touch him, and I saw all of a sudden his eyes begin to twitch. I saw all of a sudden his body begin to move. I saw his lungs begin to breathe again. I watched him get back up, and then I watched him do something crazy, go back into the same city where they tried to kill him. I saw it with my own eyes. Who do you think Lois told that story to? Her grandkids, Timothy. And here's the thing about grandmas. Grandmas don't lie. If grandma said she saw a dead man rise up, a dead man rose up. If grandma says she saw those eyes twitch, those eyes twitched. If grandma says she saw him go back into the same city and begin to preach again, that's exactly what happened. And the great faith that grandma saw got passed down, and it got passed down to Timothy. 
See, the thing is, listen, grandmas, the faith in your heart, the faith in your life is being not just being something that you're doing. It's something that you're passing down to some kids and some grandkids. I say it, and I've said it lots of times. Lots of babies will be in heaven because of grandma. Lots of babies, little boys and little girls, will be in heaven because of grandmas. Now, we also know that Lois probably had her challenges in life. She wasn't perfect by any means. She, she struggled at times because we know this, that she was a Jewish convert to Christianity, and she married a Gentile. And then her daughter, Eunice, we know that Eunice was raised as a Jew, but she was a, she was a Gentile as well because her name is a Greek name. We know that she instructed her daughter in the Jewish faith and and that Timothy was instructed in the Jewish faith, but he was probably struck because he was probably caught in the middle between the Jewish faith and a Gentile because he was, he was, he was not circumcised. And so probably his dad, his own parents, his, his daddy and the grandfather were not believers, but his grandma was. So she had some challenges that she had to face. Lois, she did. Married to an unbeliever. Daughter had a son-in-law was an unbeliever. I imagine she had other challenges as well. You think she had any marital problems or maybe financial problems? Probably, because Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble. doesn't matter who you are. She probably had some health issues that she came across, right? She probably, has, probably had relationship problems and maybe jobs if she worked, or she had probably had t- problems with the government at times. There was all these different challenges she had. But the one thing she managed to do was pass faith down to Timothy. Listen, grandmamas, no matter what you do in this life, it is going to be tough. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be pitfalls. But the one thing you and I know is that our goal, one of our main primary reasons is that faith that God placed in us to pass down to the generations after us. And that our kids will grab hold of it and they'll live for God. And they'll stand on our shoulders and reach higher to God than we ever did. And then our grandkids will stand on top of their shoulders and reach higher than we ever did. Because the goal of this thing is that we can pass not money, Not stuff, not things down to the generations after us, but to pass that generation, that legacy of faith. Belief in Jesus Christ, that he's everything. He'll help you overcome those challenges. You think there was ever a time where Timothy went and watched Grandma at the altar praying? And he knew Grandma was praying because of a need she had, and he watched her pray and seek out God. And then he also watched when God answered that prayer. I bet that happened a time or two. You ever think there was a time where maybe that Lois didn't have any food or th- things were really tight and Timothy watched Grandma take that need to God or grab hands with somebody or maybe a neighbor was sick or maybe something was going on and Grandma just learned how to pray and get her needs met in Jesus' name and Timothy watched that over and over and over and over. My own grandmother had challenges. When my mother was 12, my grandmother's husband, my mother's daddy, was killed in a plane crash serving in the Air Force. Left with a 16, 14, 12-year-old to raise by herself. And she, she was one of those, she was a diehard patriot, and she never remarried. Because she just felt like she married, she, not just did she marry the man, she married the military, and she married the United States of America. To the point that when she was in her 80s, and a high school sweetheart whose wife had passed away as well came to court her, she, he asked her to marry her, and she declined. And you know the reason she declined? She said, Woody, I cannot give up my military benefits. <laughs> so she went and got a job selling real estate, put my mama, my uncle, my, my, my aunt through college, and held on to her faith in God. 
little church called Park Hill Christian Church in North Little Rock. The drive by, if you're going down JFK, she probably nailed the first nail in the foundation, and she was faithful all those years. People came, people go, but Mama Lee stayed there. She taught Sunday school. Sometimes I questioned some of her theology, but she was faithful to God. And God got her through, and she's in heaven one day. And I guarantee you that if you could talk to her today, I guarantee you for those of you who have grandmothers that have gone passed away, if you could talk to them right now, their, their desire for you more than anything is that you and I will make heaven and we'll be faithful to God right here. So she had challenges, this Lois, but not only did she have challenges, she probably also had a few problems along the way. There was probably times she didn't make the right decision. There was probably times that she didn't say the right thing. There was probably times when she had a bad attitude about what was going on. But what she did is she did her best to pass down great faith to Lois and to Timothy. Listen, this may be you, and I want to speak to a particular grandmother today. You may say, look, I haven't done my best. I've made mistakes and bad choices. And maybe you beat yourself up because of some of the mistakes and choices you've made. But can I just go ahead and encourage you right now? Can I pass down a little grace to you today? But you're still here, and you're amen and a preacher about having grandkids that have the faith that you have. Please don't beat yourself up. Please walk in the grace of God. I was at the Traveler game this past week. We were um, raising money for kids to go to fine arts, and so uh, we worked a double header. And some of y'all are probably saying, boy, that preacher looks a little rough today. This is what happens when you work a double header at the concession stand at the Traveler's game. And so we, as we were there, there's a guy next to a cash register right me. Where's River? He's not in here. And a little young guy from North Little Rock, North Rock High School. Anyway, I just, we were sitting there working together. I just felt, you know, depressed to, to share my faith with him. And uh, so, you know, you, how you do that, you just think, well, if there's a break in the action, I'll go do it. And then there's a break in the action, and I didn't do it. So finally, you know, by the end of the day, I had just, he and I were sitting counting money together. And so then I just began to say, look, hey, you ever, do you know who Jesus is? And of course, his eyes about popped out of the back of his head. I said, listen, I just got to know. I may not ever see you again. His name is Trey. Uh, I just need to know if you'll go to heaven one day. And so we talked a little bit about that. And so I went through the gospel, you know, that, that we are sinners, born sinners, and that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for our sin and, and by accepting him by faith and receiving him into our life and living for him, that, that we can be, receive eternal life through Christ. And so I go through all of that about five or six minutes, and then I asked him, he looked kind of confused. I said, have you ever heard that story before? Because we assume today everybody's heard the story of Jesus, but we live in a day where not everybody has. And so we're sitting there talking, and he looks at me kind of funny. He says, uh, he says, yeah, I have heard that story. I was like, okay, great. He said, my grandmother has told me that story. And that's why I call grand grandmothers the guardians of grace. They're the guardians of grace because they show a side of God that not another member of a family shows. Let me explain it to you. See, your relationship with God is built on grace. In other words, he gives us what we don't deserve. He loves us just because of his love. It's not you checking a bunch of boxes that makes God love you. It's not you doing a, you know, certain rituals or things a certain way that makes God loves you. God loves you because he sent his son to die for you and to forgive you of your sins and to love you just like you are. Many people think, well, when I get to be like you, then I'll become a Christian. When I get my life right, then I'll start coming to church. 
Let me tell you something, honey child. If you're going to wait till you get your life right before you come to God, you ain't ever going to come to God. Because he came to, to repair broken people. He didn't come to put another painted coat on a fixed person. But he'll take you just like you are. It's called the grace of God. And grandmas show us that. Parents lay the law down, don't they? Listen, you got to keep them kids on the straight and narrow. You got to make them make sure they do their schoolwork, make sure they're good citizens, make sure they clean their room, make sure they take a shower, make sure they put on deodorant, make sure they brush their teeth. We are ones that are, got, are designed to guide them to lay the law down so that they'll be good citizens. But grandparents, that's not, not, not necessarily their goal. If you come to their house and you don't brush your teeth, if you come to the, your house and they have chocolate cake for breakfast, true, true story, true story. Am I right? Hayden's just a little baby. <laughs> Leanne takes him to my, mom, my mom's house. He's probably two, maybe. So she, um, she fixes him a nice little lunch, as all good mothers do. And there was a little baggie of apples, a little baggie of carrots. There was some milk in there and maybe some juice for a snack. She goes back to get him. Guess what's still in the little baggies? The apples, the carrots, the juice. And my mom said, well, you know, we really didn't eat lunch. She said, well, she said, oh, okay, I see you didn't, you know, there's food still here. Well, you know, we just, we decided to have a popsicle instead for lunch. And she said, well, actually, we had two popsicles for lunch. But grandparents' job is different. See, they see the best that other people don't see in their grandbabies. They think grandbabies are terrific. If you don't believe it, ask them. They'll tell you about their grandkids. They don't hold a grudge against a grandbaby. They, they, they really don't. If, if a grandbaby's ugly to them, they just, that, that's fine. They're very quick to forgive. They know their potential. Nobody will believe in you like grandma. Nobody. If you told her you wanted to be an astronaut, she'd go borrow the money to buy the, put the down payment on the rocket ship. She believes in you that much. Grandmothers think that you're the greatest thing ever. They're quick to brag on you. They see your gifts and ability. They would gladly exchange their life for you. The picture is the, is the love that God has for you and I. Now, did you see me? You said, wait a minute, that's how God is? God believes in you. God knows your gifts and your abilities. God will do anything, anything, even send his own son to die on a cross because he cares so deeply about you. He sees things that nobody else sees in you. He, he can't wait. When kids come over to Grandma's house, everything stops. I mean, the, the shows change when you go to Grandma's house. The food changes when you go to Grandma's house. Everything is prepared for that grandbaby to come to Grandma's house. God's done the exact same thing for me and for you. Everything he did in this world was designed so that you could come to him so that you could come to his, his, to his side of the, of the fence, so that you could have a relationship with him. It's the most wonderful thing you could ever see or ever do. God doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't. You say, well, I've messed up too much. I've, I've gone too far away from God. God doesn't do that. He doesn't hold a grudge. He said, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, you just come to God and say, I'm sorry, he forgives you. Grandparents will forgive you as well. Another story, true story. Same kid, two years old, probably three by now, eating chicken nuggets with his other grandmother. And I can't remember what happened. Either like she, maybe she ate one of his chicken nuggets. He reached up, popped her right in the face. That wasn't the bad part. The bad part was his mama was sitting in the chair right across from him. Leanne jumps out of there, rolls her, snatches him, pops him on his little hand, pop, pop, pop. Do not hit your grandmother. And this grandmother, now let me explain this grandmother to you first. She's a mean cuss. She loved Jesus. 
but she was tough. She grew up on the streets. I've told you the time that she took the boy who pulled a knife out in Sunday school and another boy over a little girl. She took the, the boy by the hair of his pony head and slammed his head down against the, the table and said, we don't pull knives in Sunday school. <laughs> Pastor had to come in and save the little boy. I mean, she's rough, but she loved God. And she was really very quick. She just, was, just grew up in, in, a, in a thing. Just as soon as Leanne came over to pop that, I would think that grandmother would go, yes, honey, you don't need to do that. Instead, she goes, Leanne, don't you spank that baby. He didn't even mean to do it. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? See, the thing is, is grandmamas believe in you like nobody else. And they're a picture of the grace of God, of what he thinks about you and how he loves you. I just did something probably preachers, only preachers do, is I went and just looked up the word grace and got some synonyms for it. And here's some words that match the word grace. is decency, dignity, tact, elegance. See, the thing is, is the way that God treats you and I is the way Grandma treats us. She treats us with dignity. He treats us with decency. She treats us with tact. And he treats us with, with, with elegance. Story in the Bible where Jesus had come to a well and there was a woman there. And while he was talking to her, he came to find out she'd been married five times. And it tells us exactly how Jesus dealt with her. He never pointed his finger at her. He, he never condemned her. He treated her with decency. He treated her with dignity. He treated her with elegance. And he treat, treated her with tact. He treated her with grace. And I wonder, because the Bible says that she left there, that conversation with Jesus, and went and told everybody in town about Jesus. And I wonder if it was the first time in her life she'd found a man who had treated her with grace, with dignity. He didn't treat her like she was a stepchild. He didn't treat, treat her like she was second rate. He treated her like she had, had, had purpose and the grace of God, and, had, and she had a value in this world. And grandmothers do the exact same thing. And that's what the grace of God is here, friends. Grace is God does not point his finger down at, down at you. God treats you and I with dignity. Think about your life. Have you ever thought of a time where God didn't treat you with the utmost respect? Have you ever failed God him and just heard his voice point his finger, I told you not to do that? Or has he been God of gracious God? Just picked you back up, didn't point his finger at you, and treated you with tact and decency. Maybe for the first time she realized that people, most of the people overlooked her, but Jesus didn't overlook her. Most people treated her like she was second rate or she was second place, but Jesus didn't do that. Maybe she saw this, that most people talked down to her, but Jesus didn't. He actually had a conversation with her about the spiritual things. He treated her like a human being. He treated her like a lady. And she was so gravitated, so grabbed by, moved by him. The way he treated her, she went and told everybody about this man. Grandmas. Y'all do the exact same thing to those grandbabies. They can fail in life and come to your house, and they feel like they can conquer the world. They can feel second rate, but when they walk in your house, they're the most important person in that, in that home. Am I right? Am I right? And so the thing is, is not just that, but what you believe, who you pray to, who you call upon, because the way you treat them, they see that. And they think, I want to be just like grandma. If you've ever had a godly grandmother, maybe she's here now or she's, she's going to be with the Lord, would you say amen? If you want to be that godly grandmother, 
Maybe some of you, you say, I don't even have kids yet. Listen, but if you want to have kids, the next step, honey child, is you're going to be a grandma one day. So before we go home, can we pray today? Just gather together and pray for these grandmothers here today. And I just want to say a couple of things. If, if you're just a grandmother, I'm going to ask you to come forward just a minute. Let us believe God with you. It's not easy to do what you do. Some people think, oh, grandmas, they just they got it easy. Life's just easy for them. Listen, there's nobody that labors for you and me like grandma. There's nobody that when nobody's wild is, is calling your name up before heaven like grandma. Come on, let's pray. Father, today in Jesus' name, we come to you, gather around this altar. And God, we pray for somebody so special, near and dear to our hearts. Somebody that's so wonderful, somebody that believes in us, somebody that helps us to see the goodness and the grace of Jesus. And it's these grandmothers. And I pray in the next few minutes of time, just that anointing of the Holy Spirit will touch each one of them and refuel them, refire them. I pray for those, God, that should you tarry, they're going to rise up and step in that same place, be that, that grandmother of grace, that guardian of grace, and that woman of faith. And so I thank you for what you're going to do. And bless these, these, these women. And I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.